The sniper had been in position for two days and two nights, lying on plastic sheeting covered by a camouflage net. He had eaten nothing but protein bars and nuts, and drunk sparingly from a plastic bottle. He was dug into a slope next to a lake. On the far side of the clear blue water was a line of five cabins, luxury waterside homes that rarely came on the market, and when they did it was with a seven-figure price tag. The Colorado sky was cloudless and as blue as the lake, and behind the cabins was a steep hillside covered with towering pines. The sniper was focusing on the cabin in the middle. The target had arrived the previous evening just as the sun dipped down behind the hill. He had come with his mistress and her chihuahua in a two-door Mercedes and a team of four bodyguards had accompanied them in a black SUV with tinted windows. Next to the sniper was the rifle that he would use to kill the target. When he had been in the military, he had been issued with a Knight's Armament M110 semi-automatic sniper system which had a quick-change 20-round magazine. It had been a superb weapon for taking out multiple targets at long range in a combat situation. But for the job in hand, the Smith & Wesson M&P-10 was a better bet. The magazine held ten rounds, which was more than enough. And it was chambered for the 6.5 Creedmoor round, which had originally been designed for target shooting, but had quickly found favour with hunters and professional assassins. The round was narrow and light and left the barrel at such a high velocity that, on a good day, the sniper could do a quick double tap to the chest from 1,000 yards away. The M&P-10 weighed just over 9 pounds and was 40 inches long, and the fact that it cost less than $2,000 meant it was pretty much disposable. Once the job was done, he planned to dig a hole and bury it in the woods, along with any cartridge cases expended. He'd keep the telescopic sight, though. That was too good and expensive to throw away. It was a Night Force ATACR, Advanced Tactical Rifle Scope, and cost $1,000 more than the rifle. The US Marine Corps used it as part of their sniper system. It gave a crystal-clear view and was virtually indestructible. This would be the fourth time that the sniper had used it on a paying job, and it had never let him down. The security team had been professional. Two had remained with the Mercedes, while the others had done a sweep of the house and the grounds down to the lake. The sniper had tracked them with his rifle, regulating his breathing as if he was preparing for a shot. Once they were satisfied that the house and grounds were clear, all four bodyguards went inside with the target. There was a terrace at the rear of the house, but the target had remained inside all night. He had briefly appeared at the bedroom window at night, but the sniper wasn't prepared to risk a shot through glass. The target was a prospective congressman, but the sniper didn't know or care which party he represented. He knew the man's name and that he would be at the cabin, but that was all he knew. It was all he needed to know. The rear door of the cabin opened and the target appeared. He was wearing an orange life jacket over a grey sweatshirt and baggy shorts. Two of the bodyguards were with him, still wearing black suits and ties. The target pointed at a wooden shed and the bodyguards went inside and returned a minute later with a bright red kayak and a paddle. 
The bodyguards carried the kayak to the water's edge and held it steady as the prospective congressman climbed in. The girlfriend appeared on the terrace, the chihuahua clutched to her chest. The sniper sighted on the target's chest, the stock of the rifle resting on the gunman's shoulder. He had calibrated the sights three days earlier in the Flat Tops wilderness area. 235,000 acres of land between the Route and White River National Forests. He had used Google Maps to calculate the distance between his hide and the cabin, and had pasted out in the wilderness before aiming at two large watermelons. By the time he had finished, both watermelons were a pulpy mess and the sights were perfect. One of the bodyguards handed the paddle to the prospective congressman and then stood back. The target opened his mouth to say something and the sniper squeezed the trigger. The stock kicked against his shoulder, but he was already braced for the recoil and he easily absorbed the impact. The target's chest turned red and the sniper pulled the trigger a second time. He'd aimed higher on the second shot and the man's head exploded, spraying blood and brain matter across the legs of one of the bodyguards. The sniper crawled out of his hide. He rolled up his camouflage net and plastic sheeting and thrust them into his backpack with his water bottle. He picked up the two cartridge cases and put them in his pocket, moving quickly but methodically. There was no way they could drive around to his side of the lake, so if they did come after him it would have to be on foot. It would take at least two hours to reach his position that way, by which time he would be long gone. The two other bodyguards had run out of the cabin and all four men had drawn their handguns. Idiots, muttered the sniper. Did they think they could pick off a sniper a thousand yards away using their glocks? The woman dropped her dog and began to scream. The sniper slung his backpack over his shoulder and picked up his rifle, then began threading his way through the trees. He had parked his car close to a motel about five miles away. He had switched off his phone before he headed to the lake, and he wouldn't be switching it on again until he was back at the motel. When he did get back, he'd checked that the second payment had been made. He had been paid $50,000 as a deposit and he would receive the remaining $150,000 on completion. The money would be paid in Bitcoin. He didn't really trust cryptocurrency, but it was the best way of making anonymous transactions. As soon as the Bitcoins were in his digital wallet, he would cash them in and move the money to a bank account in the Cayman Islands. He heard a twig snap off to his right and he froze. There was a second, quieter crack. The sniper peered around a tree and saw a white-tailed deer standing a hundred yards away. It was a female, two years old at most, her head up and her nose twitching. The sniper smiled. Don't worry, honey, he said. I don't shoot animals. <laughs>